want you to open your Bibles to the book of Galatians in chapter number 5. Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Now I want to remind you that it is not the fruits, plural. It's the fruit of the Spirit. I know we keep saying that, but we've got new people here, and I want them to pick up on that truth also. It's not, these aren't individual fruits, this is one fruit. And, and these are the, the, it isn't pick and choose. Well, I'd like to have love and joy and peace, but I'm not so keen on long-suffering. No, no, no. The Spirit of God wants to produce balance in your life. He wants to give you all of the above, both love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness. I mean, every, all nine of these, when you get the fruit, singular, of the Spirit in your life, He is actively trying to produce all of these in your life. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shy on some of that. That's all right. That's okay. We're not perfect. Don't, don't, I mean, don't kick yourself because you're, you're running low, maybe on gentleness. Find out why. And, and yield to God's Spirit. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He lives within us, and He is trying to do God's work on the inside of us. So let's just look in, in Galatians chapter 5. In verse 17, he goes down uh, through 21. He lists the works of the flesh. Now, we're not going to go into those. We did that in an earlier message. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. But the works of the flesh are all bad, every single one of them. Verse number 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. Father, help us today. Give us what we have need of. And God, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all of it. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Now, it's interesting as we read this, you notice that love, joy, and peace are all inward. The second three are outward, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness. Those are outward. Those are outward expressions of what God is doing on the inside. Okay? Yes, that's a siren. The keenness of this group, it's amazing to me that you heard that and all eyes and heads turned that way. Yes, that is a siren. And it, it will be a siren the next time you hear it. All right, so... We've got three inward, love, joy, and peace. We've got three outward, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And then we have three upward, faith, meekness, and temperance. Okay, So the first three are inward toward us. They're, they're what God does within us. The second three are outward. They impact our relationship with people around us. The third three are upward. They, they impact our relationship and our, our walk with God. Now, let me read a verse of Scripture to you this, because today we're going to talk about Today we're going to talk about goodness, okay? Goodness. We talked about gentleness last week, uh, or last time. This time we're going to talk about goodness. So when you think of Romans chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says this, They are none, uh, excuse me, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Okay? Let me read that for you again. They are all gone out of the way. In other words, everybody's off track. They are altogether become unprofitable. Listen, 
There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So here's the question that, that must arise as we read that scripture, and that is, how can someone who can't do good be good? Okay? I think that's an honest question. That's, that, I, think that's a, a, I think that's an intelligent way for us to look at this. Okay, the Bible says I, that, that there's none that doeth good. So if there's none that doeth good, how can we be good? The reality is this, we can't. I want everybody to look at me and listen to me. If you're here today and you think, you think that because of your church or because of your baptism or because of your good works or because of the charities you give to or because basically down deep inside you consider yourself a good person that you're going to heaven, you're dead absolutely wrong and you'll be wrong for all eternity. You don't get to heaven because you're good. You get to heaven because you've been born again. You get to heaven because you're saved. You get to heaven because you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've been forgiven. It's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So if you think somehow you're going to pay your way, scrape your way, crawl your way, you know, what, whatever you think you can do to earn heaven, then you've got to explain why Calvary. If, you, if we can make it on our own, then why did Jesus go to the cross? The reality of the matter is this. Hell is full of good people. Hell is full of good church members. Hell is full of people that have been baptized. Hell is full of people that did their very best to live their very best, but your very best is not enough. In fact, the Bible said the best we have to offer is as filthy rags. Okay? So sorry, it's just not good enough. But somebody says to me, well, I don't like that, Pastor Dean. It doesn't matter. You see, here's the deal. If I go to your house, I follow your rules. Is that right? I mean, I have to, I have to when I go to your house, it's on your terms. I mean, I, I guess that's right. I go to your house, it's on your terms. You come to my house, it's on my terms. Okay? It's on my terms. Heaven isn't ours. Heaven's, heaven is His. So if we're going to go to heaven, we have to follow His terms. And He said, Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. By me, not church. By me, not religion. By me, not good works. By me. So Jesus is the door. And if you try to go through any other door, it's not going to lead you where you want to go. So, so we can't. You can't. The very best you've got to offer God, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. Okay, I want you to get the putrefying idea of what God's talking about. He's talking about the rags that they would, wipe, that they would wrap the leper sores with that would ooze infection into that rag, and then they would hang it over a tree limb and let it dry out and reuse it. God said, that putrefying rag... That's what I think of the best you've got to offer. We're all sinners. We all deserve hell. If you get what you deserve, you'll die and go to hell. But Jesus took what I deserved on Calvary's tree, and, and because of that, I get to go to heaven. But I can't become good in and of myself. Goodness is the fruit of the Spirit uh, that, is, that, that, that is trying to be produced within a changed life and a changed heart, uh, and the Holy Spirit wants to do that. Listen to me. Jesus turns bad people good. That's what he does. I've, I've known, look, I've known some scoundrels in my day, okay? 
I've knocked doors and met people that told me stories of things they had done. I've sat, I've sat on one side of the prison bar of somebody that just recently had pulled a trigger and, and shot his wife and killed her. I've sat on the other side of prison bars and shared the gospel with them and seen them with tears streaming down their face, bow their head and trust Christ as their Savior. I'm going to tell you that God Almighty specializes in changing lives and changing hearts, and God can take a wretched a wretched, wicked, broken life and broken, polluted, contaminated, toxic heart. And God can bring good in that heart. For 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so God can change hearts and change lives, and I'm grateful for that. Jesus said that once we're saved, he, he commanded us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. Look at me. Good works before salvation does no good. But once you're saved, we're to let our good works shine so that others can see our good works, and that gives glory to God. And so that's, that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. He's, he's, trying, he's trying to produce his goodness in us. So what, is, what exactly is that goodness? Okay. All right. All right, Pastor, I understand. The Holy Spirit of God wants to, wants to bring goodness into my life, but what, what is that goodness? Well, goodness, that word, if you'll study it, it carries the idea of giving, of giving of oneself for the benefit of others. I'm going to give myself in some way that benefits not me, but you. Okay. If, if, I'm, if I'm going to if I'm going to have God's goodness in me, I'm going, to, I'm going to do good to Calvin in a way that benefits him, in a way that might not benefit, might not gain me one thing at all. In fact, the Bible says if I do it for my gain, I've absolutely got the wrong motive. And so the goodness that God produces in us is the ability for us to give of ourselves, to give of ourselves in manners that would benefit other people. It's more than just a kindly disposition. It's an active principle we live. As we see a good person, we just think, well, that's their disposition. No, no, no. No, the goodness that's spoken of here is more, it's more than just a kind disposition. It is, a, uh, it, it is an active principle that impacts the way we live. Let me say it this way. Listen carefully. Goodness is both who we are and what we do. Okay, I want that to sink in, because that's important. Goodness is not just who I am, it's what I do. It's not just what I do, it's also who I am. We do good because God has changed us into someone who is good. Okay, God produces goodness within us, and that causes us to do good in our relationship with others. Now, first thing I want to say to you is this, and that is, is as always, okay, as always, Jesus is our example of goodness. When I was a child, Amy, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when, when I was a child, um, the first mealtime prayer that I was ever taught was, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. By the way, fold your hands, please. By his, by, uh, let us thank Him for this food. By His hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. 
And we were in the Lutheran church, so we said, Amen. Yeah, I didn't know till later. You should say amen. But anyhow, so, so that's always God is great. God is good. Let's thank him for food. By his we are fed. Give us Lord our day's bread. So we said it fastly because we were hungry and wanted to eat. So we learned it and memorized it so we could say it rapid fire. But, but what, what's in that prayer? God is great. God is good. Okay. That's a lot of doctrine in that. It's a lot of Bible in that. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. John chapter number 10, verse 11, Jesus declares, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. By the way, let me stop and say this. If he calls himself the good shepherd, he is implying that there are shepherds that aren't good, that will lead you into places where you don't want to go, and that are unwilling to give their life for the sheep. Okay? When Jesus said, I am the true vine, he's saying there are vines that aren't true. Okay? So when he calls himself the good shepherd, he's also indicating to us that we need to be on the lookout for shepherds that aren't good and aren't leading and aren't caring for their sheep. And I think that you probably know somebody that's been so scarred in their life by, by, by uh, uh, a bad shepherd that, that abused them, that they have a difficult time ever trusting any spiritual leadership in their life again. Don't, don't let that happen to you. But Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1 and 2 says this, Woe unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock, and have driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, saith the Lord. Psalm 95 Verse number seven, for he is our God, and we are the sheep of people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. God's our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay? I'm his sheep. I'm the sheep of his pasture, and he watches out for us. Second Thessalonians 1.11, Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling, listen to this, and fulfill the good pleasure of His goodness. That God would fulfill the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. You know what God wants to do? He wants to fulfill in you and in me the goodness, the, the good pleasure of His goodness. Okay? So what does, God, what does God want out of my life? He wants to make Dean good. Okay? Here's a kid that was born in sin. Okay? Now look, I never, I, never, I, I never had vices that people would think, boy, those are horrendous vices as far as the, the things we normally think of, okay? You know, I was never arrested. I, I, I evaded the police. But anyhow, I, I was never arrested. Ne, never, don't, I don't have a track, that kind of a track record, okay? Never did drugs, never did any of that stuff. But I was a sinner just like everybody else. And so because of that, I was born in sin, and my inherent nature was sinful and selfish, and so when God saved me at the age of 12, what did God want to do? What, what did God want to do for me? He, he, he wanted to fulfill in me the good pleasure of his goodness. God said, I want to take that kid right there, and I want to make him good. I want to mold him into somebody that is good. Somebody that's not selfish. Okay? Some, somebody that's not carnal. Somebody that doesn't live for themselves. I want to make him good so that he can be he can be a light in a world of darkness where other men can see his good works and glorify God. That's exactly what God wants out of your life and my life. 
He wants to turn us into good people that show a lost and dying world His goodness, the good pleasure of His goodness fulfilled within us. And so because God is good, listen to this, because God is good, everything that God wants to do in my life is good. Okay? All right, but you're thinking, well, wait a minute now. Pastor, there's some things that have happened in my life that aren't so good. Well, wait a minute. You don't know the final score. You don't know the final story. Okay? But you know, you know the doctor that does, that does surgery on you? Did you know he causes pain? But you know why he causes pain? He's trying to do good. All right? I, I, I um, talked with uh, Ed Wilson yesterday. We talking about Kathy and how she was doing. And she's, she's having a time making a full recovery. It's just, it's just hard. It's tough. You know why? Because she had surgery. And, and you, know what, you know what she's had? She's had some pain and some fatigue. But did you know that the doctor that did the surgery on her wasn't actually trying to hurt her? He's trying to help her. So sometimes God does a work in our life. He's done it in my life that's really painful to me. I didn't order it. I didn't want it. And I didn't like it. But in the long run, what it does is it produces good. God is good. Okay? Now, this world is wretched. And you can blame God for everything bad that goes on in the world. But the reality of the matter is God didn't bring it. God gave us something perfect, and we blew it. Okay? We're sinners by birth, but wait a minute. We're sinners by choice. Our father, Adam, and his wife, Eve, really messed it up. We had everything handed to us that was good, and we've been suffering that we've been suffering <clears throat> the collateral damage of their decision and our decisions. Okay, point your finger at Adam and Eve if you want to, but you've made the same decision in your life. So have I to disobey God, to take fruit that wasn't ours, to cross the boundary line, to sin against God. We've made those decisions. Every one of us. So don't go around blaming God. God is good. And everything God wants to do in our life is good. We may not see. By the way, listen. Let me say it this way. Okay, ready? God's more concerned. God is more concerned with our good than he is our happiness. So if God's more concerned with my good than he is my happiness, that means there may be do some things. That he does some things in my life that are good for me, but don't make me happy. Okay, so we have to understand. We have to understand that Philippians one six, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He's He's working good within us. That little song, He's still working on me to make me what ought to be. There's a lot of doctrine in that song, and so it's it's reality. Number two, let me say this. God's goodness should lead us to Him, okay? God's goodness should lead us toward the Lord. Now, here's our problem. Here's our problem. We, over, we, we just take for granted the goodness of God, and, and, and we just we overlook His goodness. I want you to think with me. If I, were to, if I were to hand out a piece of paper to everybody in here, and I were to ask you to write on it, what is it that you think brings men back to God? What is, it, what is it that brings men back to God? Somebody would say judgment. Judgment will get them back. Chastisement. Chastisement will make people straighten up. My daddy used it. My heavenly father will use it. It'll straighten me up, you know. 
Somebody might even go as far as saying punishment. Reality, I, I was punished on Calvary. Jesus took my punishment for me. Okay? But sometimes that's how we think. If God wants to get us back, what does God do? It's, it's, it's the severity of God that brings me back to the Lord, getting right with the Lord. Well, let me, let me read a verse of Scripture. Go with me to Romans chapter 2. Everybody go to Romans chapter number 2, would you? Romans and, Romans and chapter number 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? Watch this next phrase. Not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Well, that's quite a statement. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. One of the great signs of spiritual maturity is, is when we're no longer motivated as much by the correction and chastisement of God as we are our love for Him and our awareness of how good He has been to us. You know, I used to, I used to do things that were pleasing to my dad because I knew what the consequences were if I didn't. But as I grew up and matured, I started doing things that were pleasing to my dad because I loved him and I wanted fellowship with him and I knew it made him happy. And so I did those things that, 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 that were pleasing to him. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. When we realize how good God's been and how unworthy we are of the least of his blessings, it should cause us to repent of our waywardness. How can I wander away from a God that has done only good for me, that has always wanted my good, who is trying to produce within me the good that he wants to do. Okay. Um, when I was young, I was riding my bicycle. Some of you know the story. I was racing a kid that, that had a, he, he had a Swin Stingray with a banana seat and the shift on the column. I had an English racer with more of a motorcycle shift, and my bike was clearly superior. So we had the kids' challenge deal, and there was a race on Amar Avenue, which was a rock road, and I told him I could beat him in low gear, if he even with him in high gear. And so we get on Amar Avenue, and the race is on, and we're flying down the road as fast as we could go. I've got him by a half a bike length. The finish line is coming up rapidly, and my handbrake, came off of my handlebars because I had not put a screw back in it that had wobbled out earlier. I procrastinated. The final screw came out. It came off of the handlebars, hit the spokes, bounced up. I looked at my friend, and it disappeared, lodged in the spokes. My bike stopped for some reason, and my face hit the ground and skidded. Well, when it happened, I broke my teeth off, okay? So, I mean, I get up, and I'm pouring blood, and my friend is looking at me a neighbor lady ran out wrapped a towel around me took me home my mother had two heart attacks and and uh my dad said all right we got to get stitches i'm standing in front of the mirror trying to force my chin to grow back together and it's not my face is all stripped of hide so they take me out and and immediately the first thing that started happening was i met mr dennis okay now this guy at one time i didn't know this i should have seen the plaque on the wall but but he he got his degree at dachau 
and, uh, and in World War II. And so he, he was actually a prison camp guard, I think. So, so this guy starts his work on me, which was hours of work, hours of work as a kid. And yeah, I went to school for two years with broke off teeth because they, uh, my teeth weren't long enough. They couldn't do what they needed to do. And so it was a mess. You know what started out in my life? It started out where I thought dentists were all out to torture me. Amy, am I right about that? My mom would drop us off. And, and uh, anyhow, we'd be tortured. And then she felt like that would make us thankful for our home when we came back after being tortured. But anyhow, I, I, just, I looked at dentists. They're all bad. I, I wasn't sure any dentist could even go to heaven. But, but as I grew, you know what I figured out? The guy's actually trying to help me. And the shots that I was so petrified with, because they were this long, and they were blunt. They had, they, there was no point. They were just blunt. They would just ram them through your, your jaw there. And, and, and what I thought was for my discomfort later, I figured out, no, no, they're actually trying to fix me. Okay. The, reali the reality of the matter is this. We get to a place in our life to where we realize that even the things that cause pain are for our good. God's not trying to hurt you. God's trying to bring good in your life. Let me say number three, goodness must begin, goodness must begin within us, okay? What we do and who we are, that's what goodness, that's where goodness wants to be produced. But it must be who we are before it becomes what we do. So what, what am I saying? Goodness has got to begin within you. Okay, listen to me. That's where God's work. It's the Holy Spirit's working within you. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Part of it's goodness. God's Spirit within you is trying to turn you good. You know why? So that out of the goodness of who you are will come the goodness of what you do. You know why people do evil things? Because they're evil. I saw a video while I was in Oakland this past week of a lady walking by a very high-end neighborhood with a pickaxe, she broke out eight windows. It knocked shards of glass into a bassinet where a child had been laying like two minutes before. The family is traumatized now. She, and it shows the video of her with a pickaxe just smashing windows out. You know what her problem was? It was her heart. She didn't have a good heart doing evil things. She had an evil heart doing evil things. And so the reality of the matter is goodness has got to begin on the inside. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work, listen to this statement, in you. He that has begun, it, he's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. He that began a good work in you shall perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's where the work must begin. It's where the work continues. Romans 15, verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also full of goodness. He's saying, listen, I know what God's doing in you. He's making you full of goodness. A church is a place where people's lives are changed by God's grace and God's mercy. Wicked people who have a wicked past, and, 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 and their past is checkered with all sorts of of, of, uh, of illegalities and offenses God can take that person I don't care how far out they are or how destitute they become the grace of God can take them and literally change their life if, if they'll if they'll allow him to do that oh that God listen that God would make you and me full of goodness full of goodness I want to tell you no wonder the 
The poet describes somebody as this. He wrote this line, a household devil and a causeway saint. A household devil and a causeway saint. What does that mean? What we are in secret doesn't match up to what we are in public. God wants to make us so full of goodness that it comes out everywhere we go, that we would be characterized by good at the core of who we are. Let me show you another verse, Romans chapter 14, verse 16. The Bible says this, Let not then your good be evil spoken of. And so that, that, that means we have to guard our goodness. Did you know that the things that are actually good can become bad if we misappropriate them and use them in the wrong way? If you, read, if you read Romans chapter 14, we don't have time to go there, but it's talking to people that were eating meat that was sold in the shambles. What was that? Okay, the shambles was a discount meat market, okay? So meat that was offered to idols would be taken down and sold at a discount price in the shambles. Well, many Jewish people thought, if it's offered to idols, I don't want to have anything to do. I'm not buying it. I'm going to, I'm going to eat just totally what is, has nothing to do with that part of, of the world. But then other Christians said, you know what? It's discount meat. God made it. It's a gift to God. The animals were what God created. So if that's true, I can eat the meat, and, and, and it's not bad. So Paul writes to them, and he says to them, wait, 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 wait. Now, if you eating meat that's sold in the shambles, if you have the liberty to do that, that's all good. But if you're eating it and it offends somebody else, you need to surrender your liberty in order not to offend somebody that is being offended by you eating meat sold in the shambles. And this, then he said this, let not your good, okay, you got the liberty to do that, the meat, the meat isn't, isn't the devil, okay? The meat was given by God. So you can eat that meat and it doesn't pollute you. But don't let your good be evil spoken of. You know the funny thing about social media is that, is that generations feel like they have to post everything they do. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. In many ways, we were a much better world before social media came along. And I'm on it. I mean, I'm on it. Okay? So, so I'm not raving against it. I'm just simply saying, why do, we have, why do we have to post everything that happens in our life on social media? Why have you got to make your whole world known to everybody? What happened to privacy? Okay? What happened to privacy? You don't have to take me to the beach with you. I don't, I don't have to see all your pictures unless, I mean, you post them. There's actually people I've had to unfollow because I really don't want to see what they're posting. I, 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 that's, David said, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes, so I want to be careful what I look at. You have to be careful. So I, I'm just simply saying, you, you know, look, look, um, let not your good be evil spoken of. Don't, 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 let it, don't let your good become evil in the eyes of somebody else sometimes we do those things when, when we abuse our liberty and we go past the line sometimes sometimes we we let our evil uh, our good be evil spoken of when we place uh, undue stress on on trifles paul said the kingdom of god doesn't consist with meat and drink uh, and yet when we when we take trifling things and and we make more out of it than god does we actually do damage to the truth and and fanatics fanatics make much about their preferences They'll break fellowship with you 
over a preference, not a conviction that's based on the Bible, but over a preference that's based on their opinion. And, and, and so we need to be careful. That, that, that's using good to be evil spoken of. Sometimes uh, when we think our, our good makes us better than others, it turns Christians into caricatures, and, and, and there's no need for any of us to be sanctimonious. Sometimes our good is evil spoken of when we evidence a critical spirit. We, we major on non-essentials, uh, and make them of too much importance. And, and yet, we also misrepresent the Spirit of Christ when we become harsh and judgmental. Sometimes, when, when we take any right principle and carry it to excess, our good is evil spoken of. Look at me. Steer clear of people that go to excesses. Even with good things. Even with things that, are, that, that they may be right on, when they take that to the extreme... Steer clear from them, because their life, their life is out of balance, and it's just it's, it's out of balance. I think, I think we need to be careful. I think one of the worst things you can do with your children is, is take a, a right principle and, and yet lose balance in it. Somebody's going to have devotions, and so they have it for five hours. Well, that's not healthy. My children memorize Scripture, but, but, but even with that, you can force people you, you have to be careful. You have to be careful not, not to overdo it. I talked I talk with some kids one time. Their dad was a pastor, and they spent hours every night. I promise you, in the long run, when you force that on people, it's, it's not going to be something that they look back with fond memories of. So we have to be careful not to take good. Those are, those are good things. But we're allowing it, in the long run, to be evil spoken of because we carry it we carry it to the extreme. We, need to be, we, need, we do more harm than we do good. God wants us, God wants us to be balanced. Let, let me give you a verse of Scripture. God wants us to be balanced. Just listen to this verse, and then we're going to move carefully, quickly. Listen. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good. And what's the next word? Faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You understand the balance in that? He didn't say, Well done, thou faithful servant. He didn't say, well done, thou good servant. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. A person can be good without being faithful. Okay? You can be a good person uh, and, 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 and considerate and kind and loving and encouraging, yet not faithful to the things that God has given you in life. You, you can be not faithful, not faithful to God. You're good, you're a good person, but you're not faithful. You can be faithful and not good. You can come to church every Sunday you can put your money in the offering plate every week. You can be what somebody would say, that's a Christian. And yet down inside, there's, there's not true good there because you never lift anybody's burden. You never, you never lighten another person's load. You never touch another life. You're faithful, but you're not good. God is looking for people and trying to produce within us both goodness and faithfulness, that balance that he wants in our life. Let me say last of all, and that's simply this, what's on the inside must come out. What's on the inside must come out. Matthew 7, verse 17, even so every good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. Okay, so if, if, if you go up to a tree and you're going to pick an apple off, what are you looking for? You're looking for good fruit. You know what's worse than finding a worm in an apple? Finding a half a worm. Anyhow, just... Write that down. It's good for you. No, really, think about it. A good tree brings what? Good fruit. 
The second part of that verse says, a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit, okay? So what's in us comes out, and it should come out. So if you've got goodness in you, what's your goal? If God is producing goodness within you, what is your goal? It's to be good. It's to do good. It's to live good. It's to share good. Everywhere, everywhere you go. Matthew 12, 35, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. A good, listen to the verse, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. Same principle, same principle. Good men bring forth good things. Here's one, Matthew 5, 44, do good to them that hate you. Okay, pastor, let's move on. Okay, think about that. I saw who, Okay, so God's trying to produce goodness in me so I can help good people. No, no, no. No. God's trying to produce good in you so that you can be good to everybody, even the people that hate you, even the people that do wrong to you, people that, that despitefully use you, people that, are, people, people that say unkind things about you. Well, that gives me a right. You know, I'm going to get even. No, no, no. No, the Bible says that we're to do good to them that hate us, and so uh, we, we, God, God's trying to mold us uh, into people who are by nature bad people. Uh, he's trying to make good people out of us by the new nature He produces in us, because Ephesians says we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Okay. So what God's trying to do is send Dean out as an emissary of goodness, okay? trying to make me good. Good to bad people, good to good people, good to every people, everywhere I go, okay? Now, how do we do that? Okay, here's how we do it. We just go about doing good. Isn't that deep? How are you good? You do good. You be good. You become good, okay? Let what's in you come out. Everywhere we go, to everyone we can, Anytime we can, just do good. Let me say this. Look for opportunities to be a do-gooder. Shop for places and people that need good in their life. Lift a burden. Meet a need. Encourage a soul. Strengthen somebody that's weak. Encourage somebody that's disheartened. Help the hurting. Be a blessing. I want to show you one verse. Go to Acts chapter 10. Everybody turn there. This will be our last scripture. Acts chapter 10. I want you to look at it. Acts chapter 10. Verse number 38. Watch this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Now watch this next statement. Who went about doing what? That's what Jesus did. Who went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. You want to be like Jesus? Go about doing good. Go about healing people. Well, Pastor, I don't have the ability to heal people. Sure you can. Love heals. Love heals. Kindness heals. Generosity heals. Lifting a burden heals. Do good and it brings healing in the life of people. And if we would get beyond our smallish world 
and look for somebody that needed something good done in their life, we could help so many people. But we're so wrapped up in what we need, we become blind to the needs of other people. This world, listen, this is a rotten world we live in. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just saying, wake up. This is a, this, the world's not getting better. When I was a kid in the 60s, you know, they were, they were, they were ushering in utopia. It ain't no utopia, friend. It's getting worse. So what do we do? Well, we get gooder. Okay. We just get good. We become better. Okay. Somebody said gooder and gooder. Okay. So, so what we need, as the world gets worse, we need to get better. We need to, our goodness stands out more today than it would have stood out years ago. Just finding somebody that needs goodness and be that goodness in their life. Now, when I draw my last breath in this world, nobody's going to say, that guy, he changed the world. I, I don't have that platform. Very few people ever really do. Change the world. That's, that's a good thought, but it's not really real. But I want to change somebody's world. Somebody's. I may not change the world in general, but I'd like there to be people when I'm gone that I help change their life. So you, you may not change the world, but if you'll, be, if, if you'll let God produce in you what He wants to, you can, your goodness will change somebody's world. If we'll just be busy about it. Bow your heads, would you, and close your eyes. How many maybe here would just by an uplifted hand say, Preacher, I'm not even sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. I don't even know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I've been trusting in goodness, church membership baptism, whatever. I've never been what the Bible calls born again. Would you pray for me? Would you lift your hand so I can just pray for you? Pray for me? Anybody? Pastor Dean, would you just pray that I'll get that settled? Okay, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you've never been born again, we can take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. It's not a think so, if so, maybe so, I hope so. No, it's a I know so. These things have I written unto you, John wrote, that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know it? You should. How many of you want God? You don't have to lift your hand. Just think about it. Just think about the question. How many of you would like God to make you a truly good person. You know, I do. That's my heart. I want to be known for my goodness. I want to help people. I want to encourage people. I want to love people. It's not in me. It's not in my nature. In my nature is selfishness. Whining, complaining, blaming, finger pointing, griping, criticizing. That's, that's in all of our natures. But the Holy Spirit says, hey, I got a fruit and I want that fruit to be planted in you and to grow in you, would you be good ground and receive that fruit? 
And in that fruit will come love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness, and goodness. I can take you, a selfish person by nature, and turn you into a good person by new nature, if you'll let me do it. That's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. I hope you'll let him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. We're grateful, and I pray that you would do the work in us, God, that you intend to do. Lord, make us good people. Help us just on the job, in the neighborhood. God, help us to get over self and over our our own self-focus. Help us to want to be good, genuinely good people that others may see our works and glorify our Father in heaven. And we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.